Exodus chapter 21 and verse 1 says, Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. The Lord speaking, these are the judgments. These are the statutes, laws, ordinances. These are the things that God is saying through Moses to the children of Israel of how they're supposed to live. Today we're going to be looking at a very straightforward teaching here. There should be no discrepancy of what's going on. Exodus chapter 21 verse 18 says if men and if men strive together if they fight with one another and one smite another with a stone or with his fist and he die not but keepeth his bed if he rise again and walk abroad upon his staff then shall he that smote him be quit only he shall pay for the loss of his time and shall cause him to be thoroughly or throughly healed. And if a man smite his servant or his maid with a rod, and he die under his hand, he shall surely be punished. Notwithstanding, if he continue a day or two, he shall not be punished, for he, the servant, is his, the master's money, or his property. So today we're going to be looking at the idea of disability. Disability. A lot of times when you go for a job and you ask them for what benefits they have, do you, do, you, do you offer disability if something happens? Do I get disability? Now there's a, a commercial on TV, the Aflac duck, Aflac, you know, disability, filing for disability. So the disability, disabilities that we're going to be looking at from this study come from either two people, it says two men, but two people fighting and one of them get hurt, what happens? Or if a master has stricken his servant and that servant either live or die, what happens? How, how is that disability covered? Well, in both circumstances, if they die, it says they'll be, that they'll be punished. And that goes back to murder as we saw it in a previous study and we're going to touch on those things. But today, if they live, if they live, the coverage of disability, disability. Lots of people like to fight for the fun of it. You're in school. Y'all are in public school. Are there ever any fights at your school? Ever ever fight? We used to have fights outside of our school. They would plan it all day long, and, and down the road, they would block up the river at the Greenup Loxon Dam, and everybody meet at the Loxon Dam after school for fights. You know, you settle your differences there, fight afterwards, shake hands or whatever, but it's a pretty regular thing. Fight. People like to fight. Well, guess what? When you fight, a lot of times people get injured. Some people like to watch the fights. You know, back in the, back in the, in the days of Paul, they'd take people down to the Colosseum and they'd have their fights down there at the Colosseum. They'd have their fights. The uh, People pay good money nowadays. Floyd Mayweather, he, they call him uh, money, Mr. Money. You know, he's made millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars for fighting. People pay money to see fights and they endorse these fights and people get hurt, injured. There was a TV that show or a, TV, a movie that came out when Brother Adam and I were in high school, the Fight Club, where people would get together in their spare time and fight one another and they would injure each other, no doubt. Fights. Injuring someone, it just makes sense that if I injure somebody, that I should make it right. It's the, the sinfulness of man is why we have to have car insurance. You know, it, it should just be it should just be a right thing for me to do. If I break a law, 
that if I were to hurt somebody, that'd make it right. That I that I would uh, bring them back to health or cover their losses in their in their injury. That's what's happening here. There there are people that are struggling. They're adverse with one another, and someone gets hurt. And this is just a law of God stating that it's right to make sure someone is taken care of, meaning it's the natural heart of man to not to, right? To hurt someone and that they would suffer loss because of it. Injuring someone, I should desire to make it right. But this is this these laws are an elaboration of what we've already covered out of the Mosaic Law, the second tablet of the law. If you go back and read Exodus chapter 20, Verses 12 through 17. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which thy Lord, the Lord thy God shall give thee. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house, thy na- thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, thou shalt not, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. If you take away, if you take away rebellion against authority, Desire to kill, adultery, theft, lying, and covetousness, what reason do men have to, to fight with one another? What reason? What, what, what reason is there to fight? If we also analyze and keep in heart what the Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 22, Matthew chapter 22 and verse 39, he says, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. How many people go around fighting themselves, right? So it just makes good sense if someone is to follow the law of God that, that fights, for the most part, I say for the most part, would not take place. They simply would not. And that's, that's on the, the I'm speaking to y'all as the children of God, right? But preventatively, though, we should set out not to injure anyone. We should desire injury to no one. It says in the book of Romans, if you would please, in Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. Boast not against, let's see, chapter 12 and verse 18. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Do everything you can not to fight. That's, right. That's what Paul's saying, live peaceably. That's what he's saying, live peaceably with all men. Preventively, we should set out not to injure anyone. We are to live peaceably. There are certain things specifically the Word of God says you are not to fight about. Okay, You're not, you're not to engage people in, in, in fights. And if you look in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 19, we're going, we're going to look at a couple. There are a couple exceptions and the, there are some things in the Word of God we must hear. But in Deuteronomy chapter 19 and verse 11, it says, But if any man hate his neighbor and lie in wait for him and rise up against him and smite him mortally that he die and fleeth into one of these cities, then the elders of the city shall send and fetch him thence. He's talking about the cities of refuge. And deliver him into the hand of the avenger of blood that he may die. Thine eye shall not pity him, but thou shalt put him a, put away uh, put away the guilt of 
of innocence and innocent blood from Israel, that it may go well with thee. What's he saying? Someone that has heart, uh, a hard heart or angry, someone who goes out and they intentionally smite or quarrel or they, they injure, they desire to fight and injure somebody, of course that person is guilty of that. So preventatively, we shouldn't set up to injure anyone. Preventatively, we shouldn't have anger toward anyone, desire to go out and fight anyone. Preventatively, we shouldn't have hearts of, quote, get back. So you remember when, I say remember when you're kids, some of y'all probably still do this. Lex and, and Carissa sit in the back of the van there, and they'll, they'll, one of them will slap you, and they'll slap the other one, and just keep slapping back and forth. I guess that's, that's what siblings do, right? That's what siblings do. Uh, but in First Thessalonians, we're, we're not supposed to. That's not how we're not to fight in that manner. In First Thessalonians chapter five and verse fifteen, he says, "See that none render evil for evil. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. So among the children of God and to everyone else as well. We're not to be people that are just going out starting fights and." And being in fights like this, we're not to lie in wait for one another. We're not to play get backsies and rendering evil for evil. We're not to hold grudges. Look, if you would, in Leviticus, the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus chapter 19. And verse 18, Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. That I am the Lord, that, that last clause there tells you that, that this is so because the Lord, he is the Lord, that we are to not avenge nor bear any grudge. So a lot of fights are started because someone either gets offended or they're lying in wait or they're trying to get somebody back or they're holding a grudge or something. somebody did something. Maybe maybe holding vengeance, right? Having a, a heart of vengeance. Romans chapter 12 and verse 19, what's said about vengeance, fighting, vengeance. Think about fights that maybe you've seen or been in and how much, how much of this stuff we're told not to do is included in that. Romans chapter 12 and verse 19 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves. Yeah. Well, well I've, I've really got a case, though. I need to fight about this. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. The battle is the Lord's. Right? Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head. That's not to hurt him with the coals. Back in old culture, Giving someone a coal might sustain their life and that they could cook and heat thereby. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Well, overcoming evil with good is following after the pattern of Christ. Preventatively, we're not to be those as the children of God that was set out to injure someone. There are occasions to fight. Biblically. In Exodus chapter 22, verses 2 and 3, If a thief be found breaking up, or somebody's breaking and entering, and be smitten that he die, well, who's going to smite him? The person that's getting broke into. There shall no blood be shed for him. Meaning, if somebody breaks into your house, Brother Gary, 
and you're in danger and you blow the guy away, according to the word of God, you're innocent of that blood. If the sun be risen upon him, there shall be blood shed for him. For he should make full restitution. If he have nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. So, self-defense. Somebody just starts coming in and beating you in the face, you don't have to stand there and take it. Right? You can fight back. How about as ministers of God? Sometimes as ministers of God, there, there are just civil acts that some people have to perform. As I was sitting on that jury trial last year, as a, in civic duty, I had to pass sentence, which was a lifetime sentence more or less on someone. Romans chapter 13, verse 1, Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is none power but of God. The powers that are be or are or be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall, shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Will thou then be not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God uh, to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. So there are times of uh, capital punishment that comes. I said that I was on that court case, I was on that trial. The person who was convicted of the, 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 the primary crime, he was given the death sentence. He's awaiting execution right now. So the people doing the execution and also those that gave a guilty verdict have part in the same, but they're doing that they're ministers of God doing that that work under 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 legislation and 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 under government and under uh, rule of law. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. So yes, one of the exceptions are those under under the authority of God to minister the 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 law of the land. How about a judge or a deliverer? Yes, I have a right to fight. Look, if you would, please, in the book of Psalms. You see, there's a difference between that one lying in wait and that one with a grudge and that one who's getting somebody back and that one who's seeking vengeance versus someone who's defending themselves, someone who's executing law and order, and someone who is defending. Look at this. In Psalm chapter 82, this 82nd Psalm, there's a big difference in these things. So I trust you see the difference. In Psalm 82, verses 1 through 4, God standeth in the congregation of the mighty, he judgeth among the gods, or among the, 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 uh, the judges. He's, a, he's the judge among the judges. How long will ye judge unjustly? So he's talking to the unjust judges of the day, and accept the persons of the wicked, Selah. He's commending now the judges what to do. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. So then, if someone were to quarrel or they were to, to strive with someone, being a deliverer or a judge, to deliver the poor, to represent the poor, the fatherless, the widow, those without means. 
If they were to go to the needy, if they, if they were to see a child being abducted and to raise their hands upon them, that would be uh, the, the abductor. That would be a right thing to do. That would be a just thing to do. To deliver folks out of the hands of the wicked, that is a right reason to strive with someone. That's a right reason. And someone who is going to be in a fight and do it in a just and right reason, it would also be in such a way that they would be both blessed and taught of God, meaning that they would be doing these things in a sinless way. Blessed and taught of God. Look, if you would, turn the page a couple pages to Psalm 144. Psalm 144. It says in verse 1, Blessed be the Lord my strength, which teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. So yes, it is okay to fight under these circumstances. If someone is truly and sinlessly fighting, if they're doing such in a way in in self-defense or trusting and following the Lord or delivering someone out of harm or ministering, uh, being a minister of God under due process, then those people, I believe, have a right to to fight. They have a a cause to fight. That's right. And also, in all, in all, as with all things, in fighting or in striving, it must be done sinlessly. Yeah. If you can find a way to fight somebody and do it sinlessly, then you must be doing it right. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. He says, Be ye angry and sin not. When's the last time you were angry and not, sin, not sinning? Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. If you can do all that and still fight, go ahead. If you can do that. But you have to do all that. In James chapter 1, James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So if you can fight and fight righteously, meaning sinlessly, and not working out your own wrath, but doing so in a godly manner, then yes, you are striving in a godly way. So you see there's a big difference, a big difference between one who strives in a, as a godly man versus one who strives in the flesh. There's a big difference. Most fights that you've seen and encountered, are they do they involve things that are sinful based or, or righteous based? Righteousness of God based. I would I would presume that most of those fights are are flesh that they're sinfully based. So it only makes good sense then that sinful behavior leading to harm have associated restitution. But even, even if we have just cause, even if we have just cause in self-defense, 
a child of God ought to, ought to desire that, that one be made well, right? Meaning somebody breaks in your house and not a self-defense, you do take a shot at that person, you should desire ultimately that their soul be saved, right? You should minister unto that person as well. That, that's the type of heart that we should have. And that sounds crazy almost, but does it really? Somebody rear-ends you in traffic and you've been hurt and now you've got a crank in your neck. You're going to administer grace to that person, teaching them the gospel, telling them the gospel. It, it only makes sense that we would desire that everyone we come in contact be benefited from us as much as we can benefit them. We know that, that God saves. But that they would experience grace from us in all, in all circumstances. It only makes sense. If one is damaged, the damage should be restored. If one is harmed, then the harm should be healed. It only makes sense that a master or a boss would care and have the oversight over the servants that they admonish. If, they, if, a, if, a, ser- if a master truly cares for their servant, then even in their corrections that they would come out better. Some masters have physically hurt their servants by the hand. This would apply for also for overworking, in today's language, for overworking of a servant, I would suppose. A lady I used to work with in Cincinnati, she, the last time I spoke with her, I asked her how life was going, how work was going, and she said she was overwhelmed and overfatigued because she'd been working so many night shifts in a row. I say it's the last time I spoke to her. On the way home from work one night, she ran off the side of the road, fell asleep, ran into a tree, and died on the scene. Her husband, and rightfully so, made lawsuit against that hospital and won the claim. They were the, the, as, a, as masters or as bosses, they were negligent in overdriving the servant or the employee. And they were rightfully held accountable for that. This would also apply to unsafe working conditions and, and that would lead to harm, loose banisters, Slippery floors, all that kind of stuff. You know, just 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 having um, having inappropriate environments, but specifically the 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 master having uh, uh, harm applied unto their servant, that they would pay for those things. Look at these verses again, and we're gonna we're gonna apply some of these ideas and the idea of disability. Disability. Go back to verse number eighteen. And if men strive together, and one smite. Another with a stone or with his fist, and he die not, but keepeth his bed. So there's two men that are fighting, they're quarreling, they're grappling. You know what a fight is. And, and, and one keep their bed, meaning they're sick, they're recovering. Okay, And that could range from anything from a broken leg to a broken pinky toe to getting head and, hitting the head and, and having a concussion. I mean, the, 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 the gamut on that is just anything that involves the body, anything that takes them all out of the scene. They're now in disability. They're laid up. If he rises up or gets up and walk upon his staff, meaning though he's weak and though he's leaning and though he's, he's maimed, he's not dead. Okay, so someone who has been hurt but is not dead, hurt but not dead. Verse 19. If he rise again and walk abroad on his staff, okay, he doesn't have to be skipping around like those guys in the New Testament that the Lord healed. No, this person might be maybe perpetually maimed until they die. Then he that smote him shall be quit. What in the world does that mean? Well, empty or free from responsibility. Does that mean all responsibility? No, because there's a, a later clause in that. What responsibility is he free from? 
Well, he's responsible. He, he's free from the responsibility of manslaughter. Look back up in verse 12, Exodus chapter 21, verse 12. He that smiteth a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. He's free or quit from the responsibility of manslaughter. That doesn't mean all of the charges are dropped. He just means he didn't kill somebody. Only he shall pay for the loss of his time, and he shall cause him to be thoroughly healed. The loss of his time and to be healed. Okay, thoroughly healed, thoroughly healed. So objectively, he's not a murderer. He's not guilty of the capital crime. But he does have to pay for his time. What does that mean? Well, you're looking back at a time where there wasn't internet uh, jobs. And, you know, these people, most of them had to work by their hands. Okay? So if this guy could not provide for his family by his hands, now what's going to happen? Well, now the guy that hit him, the guy that struck him, the guy that laid him up, now he's got to pay for the, pay those, those bills, those fees. He's got to pay as much as he would get for that labor. Okay, so so if the guy was an apple farmer and he's used to getting so much money a year for apple farming, well, now that guy's got to make it right. Now he's got to clear the, the claim on as much as he would get. He, let's look at what he says. Only he shall pay for the loss of his time. Okay? So some people's time is more expensive than others' people's time. Well, he should have thought of that before he fought. Right? Time. you got to pay for his time. What does that include? Well, if he had to go to any kind of rehab or any physicians, it, that includes that, right? He, had to pay, he has to pay for the loss of his labor, no doubt. That's what it's talking about. Does he also have to pay for the pain? Well, essentially, yes. If he's hurting so much that he can't go work, then he's, he's paying for him for that pain as well. If he, if he, if he lost a member of his body, a, a hand, foot, whatever, an eye, then, then he'd have to accommodate that that time well what about what, what's not mentioned there physically well yeah what about what about emotionally what 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 if this fight what if it what if it disgraced him and he, and he just he couldn't emotionally work well does that include that well apparently so shame and disgrace it only makes sense that he, that he would pay for the amount of time that this person could not go back to work and provide for his family now you got to watch that because it's it's very likely that human beings would abuse that. That oh yes, I can't go back to work. I can't go back to work. Much of my, much of what I do in in my job is dealing with people who don't want to go back to work, and they try to use me to justify them not going back to work. So that you know, there's sinfulness in that as well. So that the person who hit him is responsible for making sure that time is paid for. Okay, disability. That's that's what when you have disability on your insurance, that's that's what that's covering, disability. But also look at it here. And he shall cause him to be thoroughly healed or thoroughly healed. Mended or cured. Not doing better, but cured. That covers his medical expenses. Okay? So if, you know, that just makes sense. We don't have to elaborate a whole lot on this. Medical expenses, any rehab, any medicines, doctor's visits, well, it only makes sense. And one has to be, you know, a person only has one body to work with. So if I'm injured, then my body has to be able to take me to work. So it just makes sense that the person who smote the man would desire or have the obligation then to restore that person back to health. 
That seems like an awful lot of effort, doesn't it? Does it sound like it's a pretty wise thing then to avoid a fight? Sounds like it. Sounds like it. It's wise not to strive. Look at what is what's said in the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 5, think about fighting and the consequences. You've got to pay hospital bills and all this kind of stuff. Look at what the Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 5. And again, there are exceptions. Self-defense, being the minister of God, being a judge or a deliverer for the poor and the needy and the helpless, doing those things, being blessed and taught of God, teaching my hands to, and my fingers to fight, my fingers to fight and my, my hands to war. Look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9. It says, Blessed are the peacemakers. Not blessed are they that win the most fights. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the children of God. Do children of God call themselves children of God? No. This is by observation. They will stand out. They will be known as the children of God. People who are known as the children of God are known as peacemakers. They're not known as, as violent and striving men. They're known as peacemakers. The Lord Jesus Christ also. It's wise not to strive. And the Lord Jesus Christ himself also in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 Chapter 5, verse 21. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Well, I say unto you, that whosoever is anger with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, try to be also religious, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee. Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly. Well, the adversary and the brother, see, if, there's a, if there's a controversy there, it seems like your brother and your, con your adversary are the same person, right? Agree with thine adversary quickly while thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee into the judge, and the judge deliver thee into the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, Thou shalt by no means come out thence till thou hast paid the uttermost farthing. What is the Lord Jesus Christ saying there? Not to go start a fight. Settle your differences quickly. Settle them quickly. And not by the fist, but but through through uh, through counsel with one another, N not compromising the things of God. You hear that? Not compromising the things of God, but justly, uprightly, and as the children of God and as peacemakers, settling differences quickly. In Matthew chapter 18, talking about fighting. Matthew chapter 18. Turn there. When the, when a brother and sister in the Lord, brother and brother or sister and sister, or brother and sister, or sister and brother in the Lord have differences. Does the Lord say, go duke it out? Matthew chapter 18 and verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, not at the fists of two or three uh, jumpers, but the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if you neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. Words, not not fisticuffs, not fighting. But if you neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and as a publican. 
So talking out grievances. That's how the Lord says to settle differences. You should rebuke in Matt, in Luke the book the book of Luke chapter seventeen. If there are differences, what do we do? We just ignore them and everybody hold hands and hug? No, it's not what he says. In Luke chapter seventeen verse one, then said he unto the disciples, "It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come! It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he cat that he cast into the sea." than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. So, yes, we are to settle our differences, but we are to rebuke one another, exhorting one another. Jesus Christ said it, expecting repentance or change out of one another. But still, that gives us no reason to fight or to strive with one another. In Colossians chapter 3, in Colossians chapter 3, you see the difference of, of, of how these men are behaving back in Exodus chapter 21 versus how we're told to behave according to the word of God. You see, this, you see the difference there. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 13, it says you're supposed to be forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. In Christ forgiving me of my sin, did he pick a fight with me and fist fight me? Did he strive together with me? No. So this is how we're to behave ourselves. Where do wars come from? Well, yes, we are saved people, but we're still people. James, if you would please, chapter 4. How, how could fights arise among the people of God? Why would the Jews be having fights? Why would the Lord have to tell these people who were redeemed out of Egypt, had come through the, through the Red Sea, had, had gone through Passover, why would he tell them not to, not to strike? Where would that come from? James chapter 4, verse 1, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? You lust and have not, you kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you have not, because you ask not. You ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. He identifies that wars come from pride and from lust. That fightings and strivings come from pride and from lust. And they do not come from a spirit of grace or humility. That's right. You see, there's a difference then. Someone can exercise a spirit of grace and humility and also exercise self-defense, be a minister of God, be a judge and a deliverer for the poor and for the needy, deliver the afflicted and deliver those out of the hand of the wicked. They can be humble and, and show evidence of grace, being blessed and taught of God both to war and to fight. 
and uh, being sin, uh, being angry and sinning not. All those things are possible, but they're not possible for someone who is lying in wait, someone who is seeking revenge or vengeance or holding grudges and those types of things. You see it, bitterness and malice and, and clamor. You see, coming back to the text in Exodus chapter 21, in Exodus chapter 21, in verse 20, and if a man... Excuse me, if a man smite a servant, a man smite a servant or his maid with a rod, and he die under his hand, he shall surely be punished. What is that punishment? Again, it goes back to 12. Punishment under capital murder. He that smiteth a man so that he die shall surely be put to death. That, that death goes back up to capital murder. You see in, in both 18, 19, and 20, excuse me, 18 and 19, that goes back up to capital murder. If they live, then there's consequences. That's where the disability stuff comes into play. If a man smite a servant or is made with a rod and he die under his hand, he shall surely be punished. Capital murder, verse 12. But if he continue, verse 21, notwithstanding, if he continue a day or two, he, the striker, shall not be punished, for he is his money. He, the servant, is his, the boss's money. So continue, he's not going to be punished. He's not going to be held as a murderer, is what it's saying. But he is his money. The, the, the servant is the master's personal asset there because he purchased him. It, it's, it's his servant. The master would care for the servant if hurt being able to not go out. We have to go back to what we read and what we studied Weeks ago, go back to chapter 21, verse 2. If thou buy a Hebrew servant, six days shall he serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. And if he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then he sh then his wife shall go out with him. If it, if his master had given him a wife, and she had borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself, the, the servant. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges, and he shall also uh, bring him to the door, and unto the door of the post. And the master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. So ideally, the servant-master relationship would be one of love and adoration and respect and proper use, and both of them mutually would love one another. The servant would love his master for the, for the master's care toward him, and the, and the master would love his servant for the, the diligence that, that, the, that the servant performed, you see. Under no circumstances here, then, would either the master or the servant desire to hurt one another and strive together. Specifically, would the master desire to maim his servant, you see. So in this, it would be a natural thing for the, ser for the master, if he were to hurt his servant, that he would take care of him. If you keep reading, remember in verse 7, and if he shall sell his daughter to, a to, to be a maidservant, she shall not go out as the men servants do. If she please not her master who hath betrothed her to himself, then she shall be, uh, then shall he let her be redeemed to sell her unto a strange nation. He shall have no power, seeing he hath dealt deceitfully unto her. And if he hath betrothed her unto his son, he shall deal with her after the manner of the daughters. 
If you take him another wife, her food, her raiment, and her duty of marriage shall he not diminish. Meaning he would take care of that servant girl the rest of her life. Whether he sells her to someone else, another Jew, or she stays there under his roof, that master would take care of her. Now apply those principles to verse 21. If a master hurts his employee, his slave, his servant, to the point where that servant can no longer work, that master is still going to take care of the servant and his family. And of course he wouldn't hold him to the obligations of work that he could not do any longer. He would take care of him. He would take care of him. And it says here, it says in verse 21, he shall not be punished for his money. Excuse me. Yes, in verse 21, notwithstanding, if he continue a day or two, he should not be punished for he is his money. He would continue in caring for that man. And nowhere does it say he's free from the obligation of being that man's master. So what do we learn from that? Well, it's wise not to smite your servants. Right? It's wise not to smite your servants. Two passages that point the master to behave like God, and that with godly fear. We're going to read those. How a master treats their servant is a direct reflection of their opinion of God. Did you know that? And if you're ever in a supervisory role, how you treat the people under you is a direct reflection of your opinion of God. Also, a direct reflection of understanding of grace, giving good and mercy, withholding harm. Look, if you would, please, in Colossians chapter 4. Think about the master, and if he's smiting his servant, and then read what it says in Colossians chapter 4. Verse 1. Masters, give unto your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye have you also, knowing ye also have a master in heaven. Ooh. He's saying, remember your master in heaven and how you treat your servant. Remember, do that which is just. Don't be an unjust master, knowing you also are responsible to another. The same thing is said more or less in Ephesians chapter Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9. But he addresses the servants as well. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. And fear with fear and trembling, and singleness of heart as unto Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. With good, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. So the servant's responsibility is, is to serve as unto the Lord. And ye masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is their respective persons with him. The forbearing of threatening or relaxed with threats of violence. I've had several bosses along the way that they really like to threaten. Threaten. They really like to threaten. If you do this, if you do this, oh, they come across as grizzly bears. That's not. That's not how they're to behave. 
You see, the master has a responsibility to behave as though, and he does, that God is overseeing them even in their, in their supervisory role. On this point also, Luke chapter 6, if you turn there. Luke chapter 6. But yes, the, as much as I have a responsibility as a parent to not overwhelm my children with beatings, they have a responsibility to be obedient. So there's a dual responsibility there, but the master is held ultimately responsible. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 31, and and as you would men that and as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. You've heard that called the golden rule. For if you love them which love you, what thank ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do to them which do good to you, what thank ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them to whom ye hope to receive, what thank ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your neighbors, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Now if you apply that to what we're saying about masters and servants... God Almighty is kind to his servants. And when you insert yourself in verse 35 as the enemy, then that that verse just explodes off the page. God loved his enemies, and I was his enemy. He did good to me, and he lent to me, and there was nothing in the world that I could do in return. He said he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. He Does he exercise kindness un, unto those that he cast into judgment? That's not kind. That's not kindness. He exercises kindness unto his people who are the unthankful and the evil, the enemies of God. So as a just master, he exercises love toward his enemy and the rebellious and the unthankful and the evil. So then a master also... In this life, the masters also in this life should exercise love and kindness to the enemy, the unthankful, and to the evil. But also doing that with, you could say, with a firm hand. That servant that hid away his talent, he knew that he was that the Lord was an austere man, and the Lord is an austere man, and and serve and masters have, we are to. To exercise mastership, if you'll allow me that word, in a in a direct and deliberate way. You can't just let everything go and there be mass hysteria. You can't let the, the inmates run the prison. There has to be order. But also doing so following after the, the, the master's guidelines. How does how does he handle things? Well, there are times when reprimanding reprimanding comes and there are times when sanctions come. But it would be best for the child of God to not smite their servants, not in this way. So disability. It says if he if he if he if he dies and if he held accountable for capital murder, if he lives, then the master then, according to what we read in the first eight verses, the master would be held accountable to sustaining his servant throughout his life. Disability. 
That sounds like it's a whole big mess, doesn't it? What's the best thing to do? Trust the Lord, do what he says, love your neighbor. Huh? Love God, love your neighbor. Isn't that a whole lot easier than trying to figure all this other stuff out and try to pay for people the rest of their lives? It's a whole lot easier. Most fights, most fights are ungodly and unholy. The ones that the children of God are participate in are, would be ones that we did not start, but ones that we finish in self-defense, being the ministers of God and being judges and deliverers for the, the poor and the needy. We're to be blessed and taught of God that our, that our hands be taught for war and our fingers be taught uh, to fight. But we're to do these things without sin, without anger, without malice. There are times to fight. As only when blessed and taught of God and without sin. Otherwise, disability would lie at our hands. Okay? If Lex is getting all rowdy and I and I spank him and I go to spank him on the rear end, but I hit him in the lower back and I paralyze him, guess what? Who's responsible for taking care of Lex the rest of his life? In addition to holding that guilt, the child of God, I'm, it would be just a, a terrible burden. But who's responsible for hold, for sustaining him the rest of his life? It'd be me. I'd be responsible because I'd be the, his, the master over head of household and I'd be responsible for that injury according to the word of God. Brother Adam said you, you've got some eye problems. If, if you and Bobby's gotten, gotten a fist fight and he hit you in the eye and you went blind, who's responsible for your eye? Bobby is, right? It's your eye, but Bobby's responsible for that eye. You, you see how this plays out. Would it be easier for Brother Bobby to try to remember which eye it is that he shouldn't hit Adam in, or would it be easier to say, you know what, I'm not fighting Adam. <laughs> I'm not fighting him. Let, let's settle this thing. I'm, we're not fighting, brother. It's so much easier to do it that way, huh? It would surely be sinful and harmful to fight a neighbor and to hurt them. But it only makes sense. It only makes sense if you hurt somebody that you take care of and you make sure their needs are met. See? And that's what this is getting at. The fight is the symptom in this. If you look at the verses, verses 18 through 21, the fighting and the smiting and the striving, those are only symptomatic. Notice he doesn't mention what the source of the striving of the smiting is. Well, it's symptomatic of pride and lust. Tell me a fight that doesn't come back to pride and lust. It's an issue of the heart. Children of God, you find yourself in such a case, find yourself repenting and quickly. Try find yourself consoling the situation. Find it. Yes, defend yourself. Yes, self-defense. But walk as Jesus walked. Amen. Sinner, you rage and strive against the Lord. This is talking about, about striving and raging and smiting and that kind of stuff. And the idea is disability. Someone being taken care of based on uh, losing a fight and getting hurt. But you're smitten. You're smitten not of sin, not of God, but you are smitten of yourself. You you have stri- you have struck yourself. You can't blame God for being stricken, and you can't blame Adam for being stricken. You sin by birth, but you still sin willfully and naturally every day. You're at cause for the damage. You see here, if men strive together and one smite another, and he die not, but keepeth his bed, if he rise again and walk abroad upon a staff, he uh, he then he shall be, this one him shall be quit 
only he shall pay for the loss of time and he shall cause him to be thoroughly healed. You can't thoroughly heal yourself. And in your smiting, yes, you're born spiritually dead, but you also live in dead works, Ephesians chapter 2. You're a cause for the damage, though you're a dead man walking or dead woman walking, and you're held responsible for the capital crime of murder in that you daily walk in dead works. You will pay the price for your for crippling yourself in this life, and the effects of that, you will pay the price, is in this life, sin hurts in the body. It really does. But you will die the death in your dead works of sin as well. So you're held accountable on both ends. And taking care of something that you cannot take care of in this life, and it coming to ruin. And you will be held accountable for death or sin. The wages of sin is death. Disability. You can't cover it. You don't have the right policy to cover the damages of the fight and the death of your struggle. You don't have you don't have the right coverage. But there is one way to be thoroughly healed and it's not aflac. Okay? It's not it's not death and 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 dismemberment insurance. D and D is what they used to call it on, on, on your insurance plan. There there is no indemnity clause on your disability insurance where you work that'll cover what is at play here. There is only one policy by God that will cover the disability and death under the smiting of sin. You never guess what it is. The gospel of Jesus Christ. His gospel. In his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, there is life and help, health and peace. Life and health and peace. There is not only restitution, but throughly healed. Not just of the body and of the eyes and of the mind, but throughly every part of the sinner that, that is worthy of the judgment of God is made whole and cured in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? It really is. Otherwise, one is only lame until dead. This says here in verse 21, notwithstanding if you continue a day or two, I don't know how long sinner you're going to continue. A day or two, I don't know. He shall not be punished, for he is his money. But only, again, only the policy, only Jesus Christ himself and his gospel can he make someone thoroughly healed from the damages of sin. See how you have striven, striven with yourself and smitten yourself with sin, and you desire it daily. You love it. You love that fight. You love it. See your desperate need. Of healing. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Child of God, Paul spoke about this struggle, that this smiting, the striving together, and he spoke in Romans chapter 7 as if he's two men at work there, that he raged against himself, the spirit and the body. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what he said. Disability. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.